trying to break the microphone. What on earth it's are gonna, you doing? It's going to fall off. It's going to fall off. It's, it's because you've done this to it over and over and over again. It's I don't like know a child who's aimlessly wandered into the middle of his parents' conversation. Welcome to Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk. Real men, manly talk. Uh, I was saying before before we got interrupted by the music, <laughs> Amazon, you brought up Lilith. You know, Amaz- we could have edited that music in. That's what I was thinking. But Amazon is bringing out this video. He's going to find it. Um, <laughs> what, that, what am I finding? Um, Lilith. How Satan was the good guy. When Satan came in and tempted, he... Um, how was he the good guy? Because he was bringing in freedom and knowledge, and God was bringing oppression and obedience. Satan. Okay. So Satan. they've turned Satan into a good guy, and it's how Lilith was kicked out of the garden. Could, uh, we'll find it. We'll have to get it on there. That is, that is a... It, Yes. Very disturbing revelation that is not from God. Let me see if I can find it, and I'll send you the link. Okay. Um, Email it to me. The fact that... What are you doing? It was loose. Why? You loosened it. By slapping it around like it's a hose. Wow, it's you good now. saved that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Quick, fill time. <laughs> and what is he talking about over there? Uh but it's called Adam and Lilith, and how Lilith was created before Eve, but she couldn't. And they're they're making a control. show about it. Yeah, she couldn't be controlled. Oh my god! And she was defiant of God, so God removed her and then created Eve from. Uh, Last time I read uh, Genesis, I it seems to me I I don't seem to remember reading that. Hmm. So I can only find other people talking about it, and I don't want to take their content. But it's Amazon Prime. It's called Adam and Lilith. So it just came out of nowhere. It's yeah. a fiction that somebody came up with, and now it becomes the narrative. Because and there was a you have you seen these videos to where they have a group of people, and there's a there's, there's a circle half circle of chairs in front of them. They'll give a statement, and then they would go to the chair if they strongly agree or dis or strongly disagree. And they uh, they pulled these people, and there's I think six, seven, eight people, and they ask, "Was Satan the good guy, or is Satan, or do you believe that Satan is the good guy?" Um, so, one guy disagreed that said Satan was evil, and everybody else was like, "But he brought us knowledge and freedom, and uh, because of an oppressing God who was trying to keep us down, Satan's the good guy." And that's that's the narrative. So, the whole time you're talking. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said, said unto them, Take heed that no one deceives you. The Greek word for deceived is roam, go astray, deceive, err, seduce, wander, be out of the way. That is exactly like, you know, we <laughs> we were going over this. Uh, Serena and I were talking about the, the, the class, <laughs> the Islam and Judaism class we're doing at church. Yeah. And how she couldn't believe that there were women from the United States not growing up in Islam converting to Islam because it's such an oppressive religion to to women. And uh, she got kind of frustrated with me because every comment she made up or or, or came up with, I was like, deception, deception, deception. We're living in the days of deception. There was no woman called Lilith anywhere. If, If you read any of the historical texts, you take you take Genesis out of it. You if you read Joshua, if you read uh, the book of Enoch, if you read Josephus, there's nothing in there. And those are all three historical texts that follow and in, in line up with the Word of God. But if you but 
Josephus was written written by a secular, written by somebody that wasn't a religious person. Mm-hmm. He was contemporary Christ too, right? He was, and uh, so like, uh, the fact that no one talks about Lilith and Satan being good at any point, like he he was an anointed cherub, mm-hmm. and before the fall, but then he came up with his five eye wills where he will ascend up uh, up up into heaven he will be above god he will take his kingdom above god's kingdom mm-hmm. that is pride that ultimately got him thrown down and because of god was keeping us in oppression where satan was liberating us this is the dumbest thing in the world because sin in itself is an oppression you <coughs> talked about you, talk, you talked about in the last episode where we interviewed you and you talked about how that sin was fun for a time, but it changes you. It does change you. It changes you in a very, mm-hmm. very negative way. Yeah. And there's and an it, old cathedral song that used to say, "Sin will take you farther than you want to go." Exactly. And th- there's how many people that are stuck in a a drug rehab center that is being oppressed? But according to this wonderful individual that posted this comment, we're the oppressors that. That that God was the one who who was oppressing them, but it's 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 the the drugs that Satan introduced into this world. Yeah, that is liberating. Well, them. God creates and He counterfeits. Like He can't do anything until God creates it, and then He's going to find the smallest crack in humanity's armor, and then He's going to exploit it. But the fact that other than deception, uh, that anybody can believe That's, that Satan is the good guy. He's bringing reform. He's bringing truth. Why does God want us to not be knowledgeable? That's, I mean, and in face value, anybody that comes into a situation and brings knowledge or is trying to bring freedom, their version of it, sounds on paper like the good guy. But what he did was he destroyed humanity in, in one blow, and well, people's like, that's the good guy. Well, well the thing is, and this is not going to be popular in the YouTubes, but, like, um, it might actually get us a lot of hate comments. The Quran is a counterfeit and Islam is a counterfeit of <laughs> Judaism and Christianity. Yes. So like I thought he was laughing at you. Yeah, did too for a minute. Turning his um, oxygen back on. I did. But it's it's all I mean, it's all a counterfeit. So what in 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 the book of Revelation that was written in the in what ninety four AD was when John got the the revelation, uh Muhammad was not even born or even thought of it was 600 or 500 years later 500, that was 500 years thing. later so so if, if i understand it correctly the last book of the quran is the equivalent to the book of revelations the problem is is who we're looking at as the antichrist based on 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 the book of revelation that was written 500 years prior to that's their messiah right that is their messiah <laughs> it's it's interesting that if you look back it's the exact opposite you look back at the Genesis story and you hear how Satan entices Eve. And that enticement is like, oh, no, 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 you won't die. Like, it's this enticing language that encourages Eve to look beyond what the Creator gave us. So we are the creation. Uh, there's a verse that talks about us him being the potter we are the clay yeah and then who are we to tell the creator that well this is what i'm meant to be when the creator created us for a specific purpose one way or the other if if i'm a potter and i decide well i want to turn this vessel into a garbage can you that pot has no say over 
what I'm turning yep. it into. And that parallel aligns with who we are as people. Like we are the created by the creator and our lack of deference for the creator and his authority can allows this narrative to flourish. That's the problem. It's that people don't acknowledge that God is, period. So, I mean, dude, even up until like the mid-1800s, science existed to prove God, period. All science pointed to God. And then there was this paradigm shift where all of a sudden now science is trying to disprove that God is. So what used to be a norm, which was people accepted in our culture that God is, God was, God always will be. And now, with all these videos we see on YouTubes and all that bullcrap, is you see people not even acknowledging that God is a thing. Like, God's not real. Like, you're, you're doubting the, the sanctity of your creation, the sacred nature of who you are as a person, as being created in the image of God. And you're spitting in his face. So it's, it's taking your faith to me. Like, you have to have faith to believe in what we believe. You have to. Right? We... But you have to have faith to believe in anything. Yeah. You so, have to have faith to believe in evolution. I mean, I think it's nonsense. Can you imagine? So, so the the whole the whole thing with what Lilith Lilith. Oh man, you're back what, on this. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> beat down like a dead horse. It's like the Starbucks thing with you. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever this freaking nature's name is. The the whole concept behind this thing is to get rid of the prophecies of Jesus. Yes. Because it's the serpent because and the, the yeah yeah because it's the serpent so like you know the uh, Genesis three fifteen says I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and she shall and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is the first prophecies that we have of the of the Messiah of Jesus, mm-hmm. and the fact that that God specifically says her seed, mm-hmm. where where does the seed come from? The seed, typically, throughout Scripture, throughout history, the seed comes from man, not from a woman. But what if I want to be a woman? Yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, There's two genders, so, by the way. Yeah, only two. <clears throat> yeah, no, I can show you Scripture on that if, 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 if you're concerned. Even outside of Scripture, you want to follow yep. the science, you follow it to two. Anyways. Well, so, uh, some some of those scientists are very uh, opinion, or the, uh, the science that they, they, that they try to prove or disprove is all based on their agenda. This episode's going to have an asterisk at the bottom of it. Then we did something right. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> I'm offended. But it's hurt my feelings. That is that is a prophecy that through a virgin named Mary, mm-hmm. the Messiah comes. Because the male the 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 male part of that seed was the spoken word of God. Yeah. That developed. I, I talk about this on Yes Man Talks a little bit. The reason why I'm a little fired up about it. Well, it's you go back and Satan heard that prophecy. He was confused and, by the and prophecy. we and we talk about it. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. Well, he also heard what God told Adam that he can't eat from the tree. But Adam put his own spin on it and said, "Don't go near it, and you can't touch it." Well, somebody's telling me that in the Quran that well, God said that too. Well, if it's in the Quran, God didn't say that. If it's Correct. not in the Bible, and then the the other thing is like the 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 verses that Satan quoted to Jesus because Satan actually quoted verses out of the Bible to try to tempt Jesus in the desert. Yeah. Jesus used the word back. Those were based out of a Septuatin. I think I'm pronouncing it. I'll never be able to say that. Um, Septuatin (laughs) translation 
mm-hmm. that was popular in the day. Hmm. And Jesus fought, shot back with the original Hebrew scriptures from Jehovah because well he was there when well, Jeho- when Jehovah was yep. uh, saying that because he was the Word is the Word. Yeah, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Have you guys ever done any study on how the Bible came to be? Well, like the physical form that we have uh, now. So we're using this. I think this conversation is appropriate for it. What's the authority of Scripture? Because we open up this massive 66 book collection in the Catholic tradition. I think it's 68 because they include the books of the Mac- Maccabees. Mm-hmm. And the manner in which those books came together, we kind of take for granted. They eventually they came together after several meetings that took place with the early church to determine what was and was not it's actual verse scripture that was in agreement with one another so there was a a sect in the three and four hundreds AD that were making a a bunch of extra biblical texts that were trying to challenge the deity of God so we have multiple councils that the Catholic Church essentially held together where the early church fathers came together and said, these are the actual things that we consider the canon of Scripture. And these are the books that were written by the apostles. These were the books that were written by Paul. Mm-hmm. These are the letters, actually, that were written by Paul and the letters that were written by the apostles. And then there was a whole slew of extra-biblical stuff that came out where people were challenging the deity of Christ. And the reason that they are considered the canon of Scripture is because they actually represent what happened during that time frame. They're historical accounts, but they tie directly to the the Old Testament, which the Old Testament was done by the prophets. And there's a lot of consistency with the Old Testament stuff. So it's accepted that, yes, these Old Testament books are, in fact, the canon of Scripture. And they include everything from history. There are a lot of history books, mostly prophecy, which intermingle with history. And then we have the poetry, the, the things that are offered by, uh, like, Solomon and David. Yeah. And uh, the books of wisdom is what they're yeah, classified but, as. Yeah, the, 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 the Psalms is more prophetic than it is anything else. Because there's so much prophetic uh, chapters that are, that's in the book of Psalms. But Psalms 2, is, interestingly, is, is reflective of the heart of God, which I love the beauty in that. In that we know David was a man after God's own heart. And through the Psalms, which were primarily written by David, they were written by other people as Moses well. Moses included. Yeah, so what you see is a reflection of the entirety of human emotion. I've talked about this before. But when you read through Psalms, you you experience the human condition. And it's interesting that the primary author was David, the man who was considered. It, there were there were a oh, uh, there was a couple yeah. letters from Paul. I want to say it was the I feel like it was, it was the Thessalonians letters uh i may be wrong on that but that the early church fathers did not understand what paul was Mm -hmm. writing about and did not want to originally include it in the canon scripture but the thing is is there is not a single book in the bible not a single verse that contradicts itself so that's gonna be my question for you what do you say to the because talking about the origins of the bible and how we got it what do you say to the people that says it's filled with contradictions they're not reading it for what it is. The, how, how you read and study the Bible is a mosaic. Mm-hmm. So the the folks at Answers in Genesis get it wrong because they look specifically at the book of Genesis as an exclusive text on how the world began. 
They're not looking at the scriptures that are in Isaiah. They're not looking at the scriptures that are in Job. They're not looking at the scriptures that are in um, Ezekiel. They're not looking at what Jesus said in Matthew at what happened in the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's not a, a, a student of the Bible, there's even people who are students of the Bible, there's a strong tendency to cherry pick specific verses to emphasize a belief that you have. And the Bible started to transform me when I stopped looking to read to affirm my beliefs and instead used it to drive my beliefs. And once I started to read the scripture and transform my beliefs to what the truth of the Bible was, I started seeing the Bible in a new light. I started actually reading it for what it was. And I started with the New Testament rather than the Old Testament, Yeah. read through the New Testament, and then I went back and read the Old Testament in its entirety. And I've done this several times. And then I've gone back and I've read a, um, a, a chronological read of the Bible so that it makes sense as you start at the beginning and work your way through. And what I found was that the entire canon of Scripture as we know it consistently points back to Christ. Everything points back to Christ. The entire story, the entire narrative, the entire purpose of everything, this, the history of the Jews and how everything they experienced is supposed to be reflective of the redemptive power of God who was fully manifest through the deity and the presence of Christ in this world. Like that's that's the essence of our scripture. So when you say, well, the Bible contradicts itself, it's because you're trying to cherry pick one verse and you're not taking it in context of the whole narrative because when you read it as an entire narrative, it's... The most res- it is it's the most sound document ever created, and it was compiled over the course of what sixteen hundred years. You have with, entire with, denominations that base their entire denomination off of those little, tiny little blurbs yeah, of scripture. You, you can't you can't do that. I mean, no. to build a, to build a doctrine, a doctrine requires multiple scriptures yep. to back up your thought, yep. or to back up what what you're trying to to obtain. But we do, we often build a doctrine, try to build a doctrine around one scripture. One little tiny piece. And you piece. cannot do that. Nope. You can take anything anybody says out of context <coughs> and make it mean whatever you want. Our shorts, for example, there are how many times we get comments on our shorts because the short is a, it is a short. It's not nope. the full long form 45 yep. minute to an hour episode. So they'll take, they'll take one little 15 second chunk out of it. And calls false teachers, false prophets, whatever. Take I'm us not, out of context. Where'd that guy go, by the way? Use the scripture to, and we're not going to fight with people in the comment section. Sorry to interrupt you, but this fires me up. (laughs) To be called a false prophet and a teacher or wrong and we're lying and we're we're just having conversations about ourselves as men around these certain topics, uh, and you quote the scripture back to them, they're gone. They don't show back up. Right. Um, But that's that's the So it's nice to meet you, stranger. Stranger nature. Come back anytime. My name's Josh. I'm not aggressive and hostile toward other people. I was very nice in what I just said. <laughs> Go back and see the previous Spotlight series. <laughs> but but no, it's, it's true. I mean, if, if it can happen to your Spotlight series that we just did, mm-hmm. and last week's episode, if you probably should go watch it. It's great. It is a good one. A, a short that, okay. that that is pulled out of that can take something out of context. And if, if they don't watch the whole episode, they're going to see something in there. Don't care what it was you said or didn't say, and they're going to read into it and, and come up with something that is not factual and not correct. 
That is what people who try to disprove the Bible do. But if you look at it as 66 books written over a 1,300-year time span by how many different authors, and there's not a single contradiction in there when you actually start looking at the Scripture as a whole. Oh, you know people's going to throw some contradictions there. Oh, I guarantee it. I'm it's, kind of looking forward to that. It reminds me so much of even our media cycle today. I, like The job I do in, in the defense sector, there's so many half-truths out there, especially uh, TV media. TV media is known for hysteria so they're going to cherry pick one specific thing that is completely out of context and and for joe public out there that's only seeing this little blip on the map nobody actually goes back and reads source documents nobody actually goes to hear it from the horse's mouth people will i i read uh, looked up uh, an article on some budget bill that was being passed a couple years ago and it took me like two three pages of google search before i actually made it to the source document itself, which was the congress.gov webpage that had the actual thousand-page document on it. So I use that to say that people have commentary and commentary and commentary of one little piece of something that's taken out of context, and then they develop their entire worldview based off of that instead of going to the source itself. So a lot of people that have opinions about their faith and uh, opinions about our faith and opinions about the Bible have probably never cracked it open and actually authentically read it to see what it says instead of approaching it for a text that it in its own right speaks to itself they're basing it off of their own beliefs that are biased that disagree with it oh i i disagree because well god is love and that means homosexuals love each other well again you were created by god who said no, homosexuality is not acceptable. You were created that's not man the Bible and woman. Anywhere. You know that's coming too. Hmm? Doesn't say homosexual. The word homosexual is not in the Bible. Oh, okay, right. So that's another so, piece. You want to talk about translation? That's a different right. Because the King James Version is not uh, any type of scientific translation. It's there there's some variances in that version of scripture that words have been removed because of the the translator and the authority that he had. Yeah. And we have so many translations right now that you can read four different flavors and they tell the same essence of the story. Oh my gosh. I heard one the other day. It drove me crazy in the, in the oh. past. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to put the clip on there. Yes. I, I'll find the clip and put it in the, in the, it was and the guy, the pastor almost felt bad reading it. He's like, I just want to, to let you know that this is out there. Don't let your kids Read this. I want to say, I'm interested. It's in the this. millennial version of the Bible. Yeah. Like, yo, oh, he's yeah. all looking sussy and stuff. Yo, bet girl. Like, so it was, it was insane. I didn't even understand so it. Here, so here, let I me. Saw this video the other day. When, <laughs> I'll wait. I, I mean, I'm the host. People communicate ahead. in different ways. Fine. Be that way. People communicate I'll in different wait. ways. And there is a pigeon version of scripture. And if you read the pigeon version of scripture, pigeon being like, uh, the Pacific Island version of English. Uh-huh. It's like, yo, the big man did this thing. And it it sounds completely different. But the way that people communicate, it's written in a way that they understand it. So I understand your grievance with that translation, Nick. But at the same time, our kids are communicating that way. That was and my while, thought. While we think, <sighs> dude, I think that's dumb. I can't stand when the kids are like, oh, man, you're all sussy and stuff. It sounds trendy and cool, but the reality is is those translations, the way they're speaking, has depth and meaning. It's stupid to Wait, us. words have power? 
It's crazy, right? I know. What a weird concept. It's it, But our children are speaking in a completely different language than we are. And getting used to the idea that they're not going to communicate the way that we are is... Did we, though? At Ed, we, we didn't. Uh, oh, we our were, parents and grandparents uh, thought we were weirdos for the... Not, remember the, hey, I like your hat, not. Yeah, like, that stuff. Yeah, but we, we still picked up the King James Version is my point. Our oh. parents didn't let us go to this, that, and the other. Oh, I, I went through all of them. And <laughs> not I mean not literally all of them, but I went, you went through, through all of what? Nope, you said the, it. The, 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 Can't the, take vast, it back. the vast majority of them. And so I've done the message. I've done the God's Word translation. I've done the promise uh, translation or whatever the heck that thing is. I've done the NIV. I've done the New King James. I've done the King James. And I still go back to the King James if you're wanting to get into actual word studies of the Bible. Because the King James is one of the most accurate when it comes to the word studies. Now, granted, there are times that other translations do a better job. But I think we have to understand what the difference between a translation and a version is. Because there's, there, it's, it's completely different. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. A version is taken from a from an established or current scripture or current translation of the scripture and redone. Mm-hmm. A translation is actually taken from the original Greek and Hebrew. Right. So there's there's a point there, though, that there are two versions of Greek <laughs> in particular. There's Koine Greek, which is a modern day how we're talking, and then there's a high version of Greek. Mm-hmm. And the King James Version was translated with the Greek from the high version. And they found out in the 40s that it was actually that the bible was written in a modern day or not modern day but a koine greek which is more of a lay version of greek so some of the more modern translations are going to vary in some capacity now hear this clearly the word of god is the word of god and even though there are variances they're not so extreme that no matter what translation you read they're going to contradict themselves like there's there's going to be some word choices and such but in, on the whole, you're still getting the gospel message. So, so even in the millennial translation or whatever the heck that, that thing's called. He doesn't like anything the, you do. Um, <laughs> what? Neither wow. do you. That's true. Continue. I didn't imply that at all. Um, what? If, if you read that, tr- that translation, there's not going to be any contradictions within it. Correct. We may not agree with the verbiage. Like, I don't particularly agree with the message translation verbiage and how it uses because I feel that it takes some of the power away from some of the scriptures based on using particular words. However, there is no contradiction anywhere in that. Well, there's two methods of translation too. Word for word. Sorry, Nick. There, yeah. Word for word and thought for thought. And the message, which is built off of the New Living Translation type of translation, is more of a thought for thought. So you're getting the heart of what the original tr- writers were trying to get at. It's not my problem of the contradiction. It's my problem of what they take out. That is that is an issue. So, you know, I was, there's I, a lot of left outness in these. Yes. yes. So I, I kind of referenced this book a little <laughs> earlier, and and I I, I thought we were kind of moved away from it, but we kind of come back to it a little bit. It's called The Unseen Realm, by Michael Heiser. No, I thought it was going to be and, by somebody else. No. And uh, I do read other materials besides Perry Stone. <laughs> oh, that's who you I didn't know that's who you were referring I was, to. I wasn't going to refer to my name. Um, but he, he, he talks about the Bible as a mosaic. He said the facts of the Bible are just pieces, bits of, bits of scattered data, our tendencies to impose order. And to do that, we must apply a filter. 
we gain a perspective that is both broader and deeper if we allow ourselves to see the pieces in their own wider context. We need to see the mosaic created by the pieces. The Bible is a really is really a theological and literary mosaic. The pattern in the mosaic often isn't clear up close. It may appear to be just random assemblage of pieces. Only when you step back can you see the wondrous whole. Yes, the individual pieces are essential. Without them, there would be no mosaic. But the meaning of all the pieces is found in a completed mosaic. And the mosaic isn't imposed on the pieces. It derives from them. Translate that for me like I'm five. If you look at a mosaic really close, yeah. you can't see it. If you step back, you can you, see the whole you, image. You see it all. Yeah. It's... I. Th- there's such a polarizing there's a reason why the bible's been so polarizing for so many years there's a reason it's the number one it it um rises up against our flesh that yeah i like when people's like i don't like your opinion it's like it's not my opinion i'm just repeating what jesus said your problems with jesus not me take that up with him (laughs) you don't like what it says take that up with jesus it it reminds me of how we judge one another and in Matthew it talks about judge not that or judge that you be not judged for the way that you judge others is the way that you will be judged. Mm-hmm. And that that verse is taken so far out of context. Mm-hmm. And it's imperative that we keep ourselves in that mindset because we all are people. We all fail. We all suffer from the human condition. And we so quickly jump to righteous judgment. Who am I? To give, have the authority to say, Josh, what you're doing is stupid. Probably. When the next minute I'm going out and doing something as equally as stupid, just in a different light. Yeah. And and here we are because, well, I understand this verse in Scripture. I'm going to beat you over the head with it and force you into guilt. Uh, man, that's, that's what's divided the church so much. Yeah. Because it, I think, Nick, you said denominations are built off of one misinterpreted Scripture. Little tiny verse. Because... Well, it says this right here. Okay, well, what what's the heart of it? How do we get back to what the intent is? Well, I mean, we were talking. I think it was you and I were talking about the the um, some of the misconceptions around speaking in tongues. In mm-hmm. that, uh, in in the Book of Acts, um, when the Holy Spirit came down in the 120 in the upper room, started speaking in, in other tongues. We have read that there were people outside that heard them and they were marveled in the fact that they, they heard them speaking in their language. And so we've interpreted that as when speaking in tongues, what it is is you're speaking in other languages so that way people can understand it. That's not what is actually being referred to here. It doesn't say that the, the, the multitude were speaking in these other languages. They said that they heard them in other languages. So the miracle is the fact that they heard them, the interpretation, Mm -hmm. but how often i mean we did what two or three episodes on that on on speaking in tongues how often do we polarize and get that wrong in churches to where we alienate people and we've got friends that feel like they've been alienated in the faith because because of um they didn't speak in tongues people use that as such a it's it's not a weapon and of all the of all of the gifts to speak about, no, I don't know why I'm going down this on this tangent. But why is the tongues the one that that was that one's that, that one's the most important and it holds me up? Well, it was mentioned last. And <coughs> if we're not doing any, if we're not pursuing these gifts in love, then your gift isn't it's meaningless. We put it, we put an emphasis on it, 
and that that is the that is the evidence that comes forth from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't just because you don't speak in it doesn't mean you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean you're not saved either. And there's a lot of people that have heard that equates baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues as to salvation, and that's not true at but all. This is a divisive topic. So I, for one, I didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church. Um, oh, I did. And the the speaking in tongues, as you guys are speaking about it, I'm I struggle with. Okay. And and I see it more from exactly the position that Jared argued from in Acts. That's my understanding of it when I read scripture is that it is the translation of individuals. And I continue to study this. But I bring it up because the church I grew up in, this was a divisive topic. And it specifically said, well, those people over there believe in this thing. And Sorry for the background noise. We are supposed to separate ourselves from people that are not speaking the truth. And the reality is, is that I I go back to, I think it's Romans 14, where it talks about if one person sanctifies a day for God, so be it. Like, who are we to identify and and change the way that people are worshiping God whenever it's really not an issue of sin or salvation? Well, well, if if, if, if you use that example, we as Christians use Sunday as our our Sabbath day. Correct. But that is not a scriptural Sabbath. The Shabbat is on Saturday. Saturday. But it's actually even goes in further. Friday night. It's Friday night <laughs> at six o'clock Friday night yeah. and runs to six o'clock Saturday night. So that that's exactly the point I'm making is that we have used and we've used the topic of speaking in tongues and the various interpretations of what that means to divide us from other believers in the, within the church. Yeah. To what point? So that we fight amongst ourselves. So that when outsiders, like we've talked about this, there's two million, two billion Christians that identify as Christians in the world, that leaves 6 billion people that are on the opposite side of us. So we're in the minority as Christians, and whenever we fight amongst ourselves, the unity that we're supposed to have in Christ is broken down because, well, these people are Christians, but there's four buildings that Christians go to, and they don't talk to each other and live in the same town. So I'm sitting over here thinking how we started this with Lilith in the garden and Satan's... <laughs> now you're bringing it back to her and not giving it up. <laughs> and... For there to be unity, there must be truth. Yes. And if we don't have truth, um, you don't. You'll never have unity. What's and the truth you're going to get from my belief is you have to get that from the Word of God. So if we would start all of our conversations, and you want to heal divisions, is okay. Let's start with the truth, and then we can now eliminate anything that doesn't line up with that truth. That all let God be true and man be a liar, meaning that if Mamal or you or your spouse or your buddies or whoever goes against the word of God, well, God just called them a liar because we can use the truth to swat away all the division and nonsense up front. So if it doesn't line up with the word of God, well, then and it's not then we need to move on from it before I forget my point real quick. If we have truth, we can have unity, and when we can have unity, the church can move forward in a purpose, and that reminds me of a baseball team, right? Um, uh, if you're on the defensive side of uh, playing baseball, it's you have different positions, but their aim is one goal. It's to get the batter out. And no matter if you're the pitcher, you're the catcher, you're the first baseman, you're the center fielder, and probably the right fielder in your case, um, I was definitely in right field. Oh, yeah. I was that kid throwing the glove up in the air. The you could around. tell you as a right fielder. Uh, I'm kidding. And but <laughs> what, the so they're all playing different parts. But 
they have one purpose because they have a goal and they're unified in the truth that if we get three batters out, then we get to go bat. That's truth. And if the church loses sight of that. So I've always been of the opinion that denominations were not a good thing. I'm, I, I, I think that's a topic worth diving into. But each church is, it has its own community of culture. It's how are you raised? How what's your mindset at? Where's your walk with Christ at at that point? So if whether you're Baptist or Methodist or or Church of God or Pentecostal or whatever, what is the underlying truth? It's Jesus came freely, died for us, and through grace and faith in His ability, His work and what He did, we can be saved. If you don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that doesn't mean you're going to hell if I believe in the gifts of spirit that doesn't mean I'm going to heaven my belief in the truth that Christ came and died for me is what should be unifying the church because without that church is meaningless absolutely right? so if we get hung up on once saved always saved if we get hung up on pre-trib rapture or post-trib rapture if we get hung up on uh well did he take two animals on the ark okay not believing or having a difference of opinion on on these things that's fine i don't have you don't have to line up with me with that i mean we that through the holy spirit you should but we have to believe in christ on the cross and and being resurrected without that there is no hope for humanity so we it's it's fun to get in our little tribes and get distracted by the stuff that we're just splitting hairs at this point what what did christ come to do he, well he came to reach the lost what are we doing to reach the lost what are we doing to serve the kingdom when you can unify with that, then you have power. Jesus prayed about it in his last, the longest prayer recorded is make them one as you and I are one. That's John 17, right? Yep. Yeah. John 17 is, is amazing. If you've never read it, please read John 17. It's like a, it's like a love poem to us as believers. It's, it's incredible. But to your point, man, the nominalism is, is divisive. Mm-hmm. And I believe that our culture at least is starting to move out of it. You know, when our parents were growing up, I feel like those cultural silos were there. But the thing that unifies us is our proclaim, our ability to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Like, that is what pulls us together. Anything that detracts from that, at least on a forward front, think about it as, as warfare, man. Whenever we go to war, it's the United States against everybody. We're unified. doesn't matter. Red, white, blue, independent, undependent, whatever. None purple, purple. Uh, yes, but when you go to war, we're unified. We have to be, or else we fail. And we can see that our culture is becoming disjointed, and it's honestly a reflection of what we're seeing, even within the church. Why is that though? Why is what? So, culture is failing because the church is not unified, so that the world can see an example of how it should. Well, work. shoot, you've got the Methodist church that has openly gay pastors in it, and you have other churches that are denying that and then you have other churches that are just being led by a leader who's clearly only pursuing their own selfish desires for the flesh and you wonder why people doubt the sanctity of the church because we have this thing where we're not deferring to the authority of scripture and now we're allowing a charismatic leader to take the throne instead of Jesus or we're allowing our emotional disposition over a topic that 
appeals to us, or even more importantly, for those of you out there that are in the churches that are allowing sin to run rampant, you're allowing your fear of men to be a higher authority in your life than the king of all creation. So I'm calling you out and saying that do not fear men. The, the unity of the church should be a top priority, right? Christ first, reaching the lost. The unity of the church is, I love, it is in Revelation how it talks about if you're a sexual immoral, a murderer, a drunkard, blah, blah, blah. If you're a backbiter and a gossip, you're going to hell. In the same category. In the same category. And gossip is one of the first, it it needs rooted out and and, and destroyed. We have people in churches, and I don't know about each individual church, and I'm not calling any individual church out, but you have people that are in positions that they're in it for their credit. You, 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 I've, I've been to a church, uh, husband is getting credit for ministry and you can hear the wife in the background going, well, I did all the work. You're like, what is, and, and, and these people are leading like, why are, if you can't have unity in a household and that's the household that's leading your church, there's, there's about, you're breaking the foundation. And, and honestly, it comes back to probably what you guys talked about on the day I wasn't here. The family's a foundation. And if we don't have a unity in the family in a Christian-based hierarchy, then... There was a day you wasn't here? I was going to ask you to tell me which day it was. The last time. You, I, I, I cut time. you off a few minutes ago, and I apologize <laughs> about that. But what were you remember what you were going to say? Yeah, I mean, it was, you were talking about truth and, and things like that. And one thing that... Because any... As, as we've talked about for the last 30-some minutes that... Wow, we reading, lasted that long on a whim. Reading... Um, reading scripture you can interpret it based on your own filter mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean how you're interpreting that scripture is true it relies on the holy spirit the holy spirit the bible says knows knowledge, the deep revelation knowledge. knows the deepest things of god because the holy spirit is part of the of, of the union and um because if, if, if you listen to the holy spirit the holy spirit's going to dr- direct you in all the things of god and all the path of God. But you have to understand what the Holy Spirit is. You have to be able to understand how to recognize the Holy Spirit. I know your voice. I know your voice. I know your voice because we all have a relationship and we we talk on a regular basis. If you don't talk to God and you don't talk to the Holy Spirit, you don't understand his voice. You don't understand that the Holy Spirit is the voice that rises up inside you Mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit lives inside you. After you were born again, the Holy Spirit moves in. It lives up. It rises up inside of you, and you hear something inside of you. Where you hear the the, the voices outside of outside of you coming and talking through your ear and things like that, and in an outside realm, that is more than likely not the Holy Spirit. But you have to test the spirits. Mm-hmm. How you test the spirit is by having knowledge in the Bible, and as you ask God to give you revelation knowledge before you sit down and read, then the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what the scriptures mean, and it'll it will be truth. No matter what spin I put on it, you put on it, anybody else puts on it based on our experiences and, and, and the filter yep. that we have or what church we go to based on the denominational filter that goes on, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will direct you in the truth. But you have to listen to it, even if it goes against what you feel that it, that you believe because your pastor said so or your buddy said so. Or Pepo said it and you believed it since a kid. Or what or, you feel. Or, or what oh, you saw on Instagram and, feels, and Twitter. Yeah. It. It's sorry. I'm. No, no, this is something. That, no, it's, this it's is fantastic. Me, man. It's got me so fired up. It's one of these. I can't. It's the age of accountability. I can up until a certain point. I 
have a relationship with God and my kids don't understand enough yet. I, I know they haven't reached the age of accountability. Um, but when they do, they're responsible for their relationship. They can no longer hide under mom and dad and say, well, mom and dad know Jesus, so I know Jesus. No, you don't. And, and maybe that's hard to hear, but uh, especially because of, you know, kids, we protect them, we love them, they're innocent. And we want them to have a relationship with, with Christ, and, but that's up to them. And that's, that's a very humbling thought for a, for a father who, I can't protect you from this. I can't keep you from this. I just have to guide you and give you knowledge and then have faith that you will find that relationship. So the two most proud moments that I have as a, as a dad was one when my, when my oldest two decided to get baptized last year on Super Bowl Sunday. Never forget that day, um, <clears throat> seeing them make that step from a physical water baptism. Mm-hmm. The second was when I was, I was spending time before Christmas out at my uncle's house, and Enzo has wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, we left the, the Perry Stone event too early to catch the, the, the Holy Spirit message that he gave that evening because I had to be back for work on Monday. And, um, and I, it really bothered me that, that we left that, that atmosphere yeah. and went out and my uncle and I had, well, I'd never go in planning to have deep theological discussions with him, but it always ends up turning out that way. And as we were talking, I, I looked over and I saw Enzo, Catalina and Ayrton all huddled up on the sofa, just like zoned into the conversation. And we're not talking like elementary level theological topics. We're talking some pretty in-depth in-depth discussions and they're just honed in on it and I asked my uncle I said hey is Enzo's been wanting to get baptized in the Holy Spirit can can we kind of shift and can you pray for him to get baptized and uh, he said yeah so he called him over and Enzo sat down in front of him and he's explaining the whole process of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and what it means and things like that Catalina jumps over and says I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit then Enzo Ayrton jumps over and says I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so the three of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time, sitting on the floor of my uncle's house a couple so, days before Christmas. So the people who don't understand or they may challenge that phrasing, explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, you, you know, <clears throat> the Bible says that, that John baptized in water, and that's, the, that's what we do with the immersion of water. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, when, you, when you're born again, you, the Holy Spirit, recre- your spirit is recreated in a creature that's never been before into something that's never been and is a holy holy it it becomes holy at that point in connection with God then the Holy Spirit moves in being baptized in the Holy Spirit you're now immersed into the Holy Spirit and not only is the Holy Spirit within but it's actually filled within to a brim over overflowing plus you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that that has come upon you just wanted to throw some clarity out there it's always nice to hear yes especially coming from I don't have drums in my church. Devil drums is what we call them. Devil drums. Devil drums. We are Diablo. <laughs> Diablo. Talk about speaking in tongues. <laughs> yeah, <that's what> <laughs> I don't think that's oxygen in that tank anymore. Spanish. All right, well, we're going to wrap it right there, but this was a nice free-flowing conversation. Did you have something? Look like you want to say something? I always have something to say. Yeah, I'm tr- good. Um, another good episode. We want to thank everybody. Um, Give us a like, uh, share. I'm going to get back at it. Subscribe. Subscribe, and uh, help us help us reach more people. Help us uh, move the kingdom of God.
Make sure you visit our website at mkdutalk.com okay. where you can go visit uh, our... <laughs> One time we're going to do this outro. It's 15 <laughs> seconds and you turn it into 45 minutes. I didn't do it. He said okay. Keep going. See all of our <laughs> previous episodes, uh, our guest series, lots of good stuff there, and our shorts. Um, you okay now, bud? He's never. I'm fine. Okay. Uh, you can also uh, grab us, uh, shoot us. There's a contact page there as well, and you can email us directly at mkdutalk at okay. gmail.com. Okay, Andy down there. He's uh, killing it. He's killing it. <laughs> Make sure you hit us up on all of our social media platforms as well. You can stay up to date. Uh, of course, uh, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Please. So you're staying up to date with all of our new. Okay. <laughs> so no, no, please. <laughs> We need to help. We, we, need, we need to reach people. We need to move the kingdom. There's not a lot of time left, and I, I believe Jesus is returning soon. And Definitely. We want, we want to just help embolden men to step up, be good fathers, be good husbands, and be a good, be a good kingdom man. Real men. Uh, the, the world is lacking men nowadays. Most people don't even know what a man is anymore. Yeah, so. Um, so for the yes man, Jared, for okay, always absent Andy, who's actually here today. Uh, uh-huh. For the working, the coach Ryan. And for our host, Josh, I am O2D2 Nick for Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk. Real men, manly talk.